listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Oh, hello there, listener. Thank you for sticking around and listening to our podcast in these weird times of isolation this is the nine to five entertainment system if you like the show go to patreon.com slash nine to five cc and uh maybe throw a few bucks our way uh if you don't have a few bucks to spare totally understandable just tell your friends about it we talk about all of the things that matter the most in this time of isolation like zoom is mining your face data uh 3m can't sell you masks if you live in canada uh covid patients need to be body snatched by uh I don't know, someone. Um, Paranormal Entity, the best movie that was ever made by Asylum Films. We talk about the film Coco. We talk about Disney Pixar's Onward and how it tried to manipulate Scott, but he was better than all of that. Uh, Scott watched The Last Skywalker, which means once again we talk about Star Wars. We're going to talk about it again, I'm sure. Uh, We talk about Scott Snyder's run on Batman for the New 52. We talk a little bit about Year One Batman, um, which leads us to be talk about how the comic industry is currently in danger. And then we establish the Mount Rushmore of Robots. All this and more on 90. Yes, enjoy the show. Thank you for sticking with us. Hang on, look, now it's happening. <laughs> now, now the show is going. It was a natural opener, and now, now we missed it. I'm sorry. It's it, it, exactly. I missed the like. Usually, when I press record on these episodes, you guys don't get to know. But now you can clearly. Okay, so Zoom. What were we, what were we talking about? Zoom is that, like specifically says that they do that. Their their monetization process is your content. So like the stuff that you say, and then one of their selling points is that they can tell when people are paying attention to the meeting or not. But think yeah. about what kind of visual processing they're doing on the fly to, to analyze your intention to the point where you can say somebody's not paying attention. You know, they figured out how to do all that processing and that they're like, how do we monetize this? We sell access to it? Yes. Yeah, in, in addition. That. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. And what kind of like, what kind of data farming would come from that, right? Like you would literally know like people like there's a book or something that you could write on like how to be a more... Um, like how to engage people more, like what words people respond to, like all this. Like think about like they're not just mining you; they'd be mining the content that makes you pay attention. And and don't forget, this is forever. It's like once it's out there, there there's going to be hundreds of copies made within a year. Who knows how many going forward? And you'll this conversation will be part of the data set of the human civilization until forever. Like, are they going to be running data mining on it a hundred years from now? I don't see why not. It would be like part of your curriculum. Well, I mean, you know? we've got a podcast. We have 200 uh, like plus hours of, of voice mining that they can yeah. yeah, They can mine the crap out of those MP3s, man. Hey, if they click like and subscribe, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't – yeah. listeners don't have to be humans. <laughs> I mean, nope. That, hey, you know what? This is going to be a robot-themed episode, so why not? We can just talk about it. Oh, right, the robots. We're the robots. But yeah, I know a bunch of a bunch of schools and stuff like uh, educational facilities for children and all that are, are rapidly, rapidly trying to move their um, their 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 Zoom meetings and classrooms and stuff over to Microsoft Teams yeah. because with Teams, uh, my understanding it is is you do basically sign away your your likeness and your rights and the privacy, but it's to the host of the team. So it's well, like, that's the thing. You can set it up with encryption so that you, like the third party who is providing the service doesn't have access to the keys to decrypt the call, yeah. right? And Zoom is not done that way at all. They have access to the keys, so it, it should be assumed that they're they're processing all of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who knows, man? 
The robots are coming. Uh, how's everybody been doing? I mean, I guess this is how this is. I guess it, oh, I know because Scott still works in person. But I was yeah. like, John, I'm sure you're familiar with the the conference call of how how is everybody doing? Like, how much corporate time and money is spent across the planet right now with the question, "How's everybody doing?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Things are basically business as usual for me. Like doing building Tableau dashboards, it's the same. I do that same shit from home. <laughs> if I'm doing it for one thing or another thing, it's the same. Uh, have, you, have you had the urge to just cut your own hair? Because I'm getting there. Nope. No, I'm used to it getting pretty shaggy. Ain't no uh, thing. Yeah, this has been gonna... very easy for me. I'm in the most privileged position that there possibly could be for this. Other than like in a bunker on an, on an island somewhere with my billions of dollars. And but I mean, for normal people, yeah. Perhaps you could bring back the ponytail if it endures long enough. Oh man, it would not. It's not going to go that long. No <laughs> way. <laughs> Scott, oh, you uh, you uh, you opted for some uh, haircut. You shaved your face. Did you shave your head too? I uh, gave myself a haircut. I gave myself a bit of a fade. Mm-hmm. It worked out okay. I did shave my face, but it turns out that I have zero chance of getting an N95, so I'm letting the beard grow back in. Hmm. Weren't you supposed Wait, to be really? a long time ago? Don't and you? you? the idea? A little bit, yeah. But it turns <laughs> out, even though, one, they're not doing fittings anymore because it takes too long and there's too many people who need them. Mm-hmm. And two, um, I'm not one of the people who needs one of the few N95s that we, we have in the hospital. So, How are things out there? Because my only interaction with this whole system has been getting tested. And when I got tested, the, the testing apparatus was at like 5% capacity. So it looked to me like we had this all under control. I mean, the news is probably a better place to get like statistics. Sure. But um, just for us at the children's hospital, we are desperately low of sanitizer, which is a fun thing to do when you're asking everyone to come in and and sanitize their hands. And then they're like, with what? We're just like, I don't know. (laughs) Something. Do it. Vodka. Um, we're running low on PPE in the hospital. Yeah, it's just, yeah that's just a thing. Uh, to the point where they're just like, unless you're dealing with suspected or confirmed cases, you, you're not getting an N95. Don't, don't even bother. So I'm not getting one because no suspected or confirmed cases should be coming through my department. Right. And I mean, maybe there aren't any coming into the country anymore because Donald Trump told 3M to stop selling them to Canada. Yeah. yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> that's a thing. I mean, the, Canada does produce all the raw materials that 3M uses to make them. The only so the way the guys explained it is like it's a particular type of tree with a particular type of process and a particular type of treatment. Hmm. So they're like right now they're the mill that makes the like the K10S pulp that is used in N95 mask is the only mill on the planet that makes wow. pulp of that grade. And it is in Nanaimo, British Columbia. <laughs> so when they're like, stop selling N95s, like everyone's like, uh, I mean, we're chuckling, but we're in a world where Trump isn't saying, well, just send in the army and, and we'll take the output of that factory. Sure. But I find it also hilarious that yep. even if they did, it's in Nanaimo. That's like a hell of a trek. <laughs> I mean, it's not too far from Alaska, right? Sure. I guess. If you think of it as the ultimate land bridge. Yeah. I mean, see. Yeah. I like, it's not too far from Alaska, but it is like the tundra of Alaska, right? Like it's all like Alaska's all along the shore. Like it's still a hell yeah. of a hike from anywhere where anyone is. But yeah, no, I 
I love that in 3M's uh, statement about this, they were just sort of like, it also calls into question serious humanitarian, like, concerns. You know, like, 3M is like, we obviously have to do it because the president said it, but we want to know, we want you to know that we don't think this is okay, like, what you're doing. I was like, it's, like, I was like, it almost borders on, like, war crime, question mark, like, almost. So, like, to deny medical, like, products to your allies you know, like there's like I'm not I'm not saying it's like full war crime, but it falls into like that weird hazy area where you're like it seems almost illegal. Would you like, say it is uniquely American? I I would say it is uniquely <laughs> it's, it's like, Trumpian. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, is it fair to give America a pass? I don't know that it is. Well, if, if it had been like once, I mean, okay, but they elected Bush twice. They did sure. not prosecute the Bushes. You know, they chose all of this. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, Amer- again, I think we, we've talked about this, like, ad nauseum on the podcast, where I was like, I think that the halls of power in America do not necessarily reflect the 300 million people. Like, but, but then it is there, it, does it not fall upon them to revolt? Yeah, it reflects upon the complacency of 300 million people, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, 50. Oh, Jesus, there's but it's, so many people. It's easy for me to say that, not living in a country where we can be horrified at the terrors of our leadership. Just, mm. just like low grade horrified, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We just have like st- we just have stern disappointment in our. Leader. <laughs> <laughs> We're just like I don't know. We- I think I think they've they've done pretty well with this COVID situation. Inle- unless there's like a big part of the picture we're not getting, you know, which is always possible. It mm-hmm. seems to me like they're giving out the information that they can. And then my interactions with our healthcare system have made me very happy to be here, you know? Oh, dude, yeah. yeah. Like, and I've heard everybody across the board just say that like, oh, testing facilities are fine. Yeah. It's no, like not a question. Like even the guidelines or whatever are all there. The only thing that they're, I was reading about with like some level of criticism is they were like, in terms of like real, like what Ontario did is they were like, here's our two death tolls, what the epidemiologists are looking at. And like, to like, I think we're missing a little bit of that grimness to maybe like scare some idiots straight because I see a lot of, a lot of stupid people. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I mean, in the email thread today, I said the story of a lady wearing a face mask with plastic, like rubber gloves who pulled her mask down sneezed openly, not into her arm or anything, and then put her mask back up. And I was like, what do you think you're doing? I was like, what? I was just like, I was like, there's so much that you're like. Did you chew her out? Did you chew her out? And I had that exact moment as I was like, because there was a couple of like flare ups that we saw in the grocery store of like, when people are not doing the wrong thing, and then someone says something, the person then like in turn gets in the person's face and yells. And I'm like, I don't want to be in that situation anywhere near that yeah i don't want to be a person in the face yelling at with me even if it's not going to turn violent i'm like you're just spraying your stuff all over the place i was like i like scott was you just i I think just pointing like pointing like the monkey from family guy and screaming might be a fun yeah donald 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 sutherland from uh invasion of body snatchers yeah yeah that that image (laughs) scream from across the street yeah don't don't actually say why you know i saw that when i was eight or nine i stayed up super late watching it and i was like way too young for it and it blew my mind it was a great movie (laughs) speaking of great movies Uh right into that really i feel like we've been uh dragging through the news just for our own sake no one's really listened to us who's super into it so, the news. Uh, could nobody yeah. this show likes the news. No, if you're into the news, you're not coming to us for it. Oh. 
Shit. I think uh, we've given our hot take. People are stupid. America's stupid. Uh, the virus sucks. Boy, those were hot takes. <laughs> right. Yeah. People are dumb. Okay, you guys, I watched the worst movie. Like, man, I don't even you loved know. It. John, did you see his, his online story? No, no. John is not on Instagram. <laughs> Tell me how great this movie was, Keith. So the film is Paranormal Entity. Yeah. Oh, my God. It sounds a lot like that Paranormal Activity movie. It'll be great. Let's check it out. No. Um, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, there, there maybe need to be, in, unless we're, like, all watching them or something. Like, legitimately, I kind of mentioned this last episode. Like, there may need to be, a, um, like, a blanket ban on the Asylum films. Because, <laughs> it dude, it was, it was, like, so dull and so boring and so flat. Yes! No, but like, like, not like yes. No, like, no, no. Like, yes for me. I've been trying to find boring ass movies because I know they're going to trigger you more than any other kind of movie, and boring is what I wanted. They're going to make me take a nap. Like, <laughs> it's like that's one of the two things. Well, Keith, I, was there, Keith, what? Just a very important question. Mm-hmm. Not knowing enough about it, was it racist or bigoted in any any way? Like, no. Okay, so you got a break from that. Yes, I did. I did get a break from racist bigotry. Thanks, best <laughs> friends. <laughs> um, so check. Hang on. There, there was a there was a factoid that I wanted to uh, to look up before we started this. So you'll so, do it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So the movie includes like characters who are like listed in the cast but who are like not in the film so i don't know if they got cut Probably. or something why not but yeah exactly that's it it's very strange because there's so there's three people in the cast for the entire time there's thomas his sister samantha and his mom mom for the entire film except for the last five minutes where like a doctor slash maybe priest or something shows up priest. huh a doctor priest a doctor priest you uh-huh. know, shows up and then the movie ends like abruptly within the next five minutes. So it's basically like a three person show. Okay. Um, now what you may not know is that this movie paranormal entity, not only um, is a terrible mockbuster ripoff of paranormal activity. It spawned the paranormal entity expanded universe. <laughs> that sound makes it sound like it was a success. Yo, I guess. So, there's four more movies in the Paranormal Entities Asylum series. Uh-huh. There's and they've also been each of them have been repackaged to I think initially they were packaged as Paranormal Entities and then they have been repackaged dropping the Paranormal Entity name I guess for like another round of like misplaced purchasing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Cuz there was Paranormal Entity 2 uh which was also known as 8213 Gacy House which was a a, a loose prequel based on uh, ghost hunters who went into the Gacy house. I think I actually saw that. I think, no, you and I saw a good one. (laughs) About the Gacy house? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like where Gacy was like a demon or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was not this? I doubt it. If, because this was so bad. That movie at least had like some scares and things. Are you talking about the Gacy house or about Paranormal Entity here? The Gacy house movie you and I saw. Yeah, yeah. It was was all right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, not good. I mean, all right. Uh, then it was um, Paranormal Entity Three: The Exorcist Tapes, 
AKA uh, and yes, the exorcist tapes based on the, you're getting away from paranormal entity. I'm, I'm building on the mythos of the expanded you. Uh-huh. Now, then there is paranormal activity for the awakening, AKA 100 ghost street, the return of Richard Speck. So I, I figured that Richard Speck didn't play into the Gacy tapes or the exorcist tapes. So this entire movie, I was like, I wonder if there's going to be a mention of Richard Speck. There is not. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm just, I was just waiting for Richard Speck to factor in. Doesn't. So I don't know how the fourth one is the return of this guy. Uh, so it starts off with like the black fonts with the white typewriter thing. It's a 911 call. And it's uh, the guy, Thomas Finley, being like, oh, they killed my mom and they killed my sister. Uh, and and then uh, they're like, We're, we found these tapes. Sounds legit. So, yep. So now let me tell you guys. If you want a horror movie that features lights turning off and on, uh-huh. televisions turning off and on, uh-huh. phones Terrifying. ringing only for it to be revealed that there is no one on the other end. Spooky. Yep. Um, people banging on doors. Okay. Uh, footprints on the ceiling. It's Ghost Spider-Man's. Uh-huh. Terrifying. And um, a lot of out-of-focus cameras, pointing at things out of focus, or at the ground as people walk around with a camera pointed at the ground. This is the horror movie for you. Okay. Also great, the guy who's, like, the, the, the main dude who's carrying around the, the camera and, like, providing most of the narration is out of breath all the time. Not just in, like, the tent scenes. Just, like, all the time. It's just, hey, Mom. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> Hi, what's going on? Just, to the point where I was like, oh, man, it must be like a heavyset actor. But then you see like one of the like stationary cameras. It's not. It's a perfectly fit dude. I just out of breath all the time. Um, Does he yeah. expo- Is he experiencing any other symptoms? Any uh, coughing, <laughs> fever? Has, has he been too soon, Scott. Too soon for COVID jokes. Um this is my life every day. People rolling their eyes when I ask them that if they have symptoms. Uh, I thought you were going to say, this is my life every day. People rolling my eyes when I made COVID jokes. I was like, you work, <laughs> you work at the hospital. Children's hospital. <laughs> now is not the time for jokes, Scott. If not now, then when? <laughs> uh, oh, people man. got mad at me because I said, we're all going to catch it at work. And they were just like, like Pokemon? why would you say that? I'm like, well, we work in the place where it is. You were like, math? Like, uh, so, yeah, so it's revealed that the father uh, died in a car accident. I wrote this line uh, down because they were like, I, and we really missed, we really missed the dad or whatever. And the mom said, we went to a weird and wacky store. Uh, and then um, the, la- the lady at the weird and wacky store told them that you can actually communicate with the dead by writing letters to them. Okay. That's actually uh, a pretty good way of communicating. I mean, dead. yeah. I mean, like, it makes as much sense as anything. Uh, and then he's like, and then weird stuff started happening. And then bad stuff started started happening to Samantha. This is the opening crawl? No, no, no. no. This is like the first five minutes. Okay. And then he's like, your father would not do that stuff. <laughs> Said very seriously. Um, glass shatters in the kitchen. Everybody runs. So it's important to notice you don't see anything in this film ever. You hear glass shatter. Spoiler alert. And they run into the kitchen, and then you just see the glass is shattered. You hear, like, 
oh, you hear thumping or whatever, and then when they turn the lights on, there's footprints on the ceiling. But you never so, like, see any any ghosts. There are no whatever. special effects in this film. <laughs> <laughs> it's all just set dressing. It's all just set dressing. At one time, like like a door opens on its own, but like it just like swings into the door, so easily could just be like a dude just like swinging the door open and getting out of the way real quick. It's a bold directorial choice. Yeah, zero special effects. Uh, the knights also like if you guys have seen Paranormal Activity, you see like like the knights advance right. They're like night one, mm-hmm. night two. But then they start skipping ahead at like random intervals, like like horrible, horrible shit goes down, and then it's like night thirteen, and I'm like, wait, so five days and nothing happened? Like the mo- like the mom slits her wrists, and then it's like there's a six day jump, and he's like, mom needs to stay at the hospital for a few more days, and I was like, but she's been there a week, <laughs> like what the fuck is happening? And then on top of that too, it jumps to night twenty three when the doctor priest shows up. They've been calling him throughout the movie, and he's like, if I would have known, I would have come sooner. And I was like, it's been almost a month. <laughs> it's like, you've ignored them for a month. Like, like they clearly, I don't know, like, chose the days randomly, like, after. Because it makes zero sense that the priest would show up on day 23, mm-hmm. you know, of, like, clear, like, haunted activity. Um there's at one point a black screen for like almost a full minute with just like foley noises going on like a completely back screen of just like screaming and like thumping and stuff falling over and i was like this is such a long time to see nothing did you go like, back and time it it was like almost a full minute yeah yeah yeah, yeah. every round and paid more attention um what scott was referring to earlier on my instagram story uh was i filmed i think almost two, like a minute or two of the film, mm-hmm. which consisted of footage of a guy dusting and then uh, putting the camera down on the kitchen counter. Nothing on the kitchen counter happening for a little while. Then him putting his hands down on the counter and then listening to like a voicemail, but it's just a shot of a coffee thing and him like breathing heavily. This is two minutes of the film. Are, are they like building up? To... I have no idea. Why? There's nothing. I told you, you don't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing. Oh, yeah, he tells his mom and sister to, like, leave the house because it's getting too scary, and then he booby traps the house, kind of. Or he doesn't booby trap. I guess he sets up, like, ghost traps, which is, like, fishing wire with little, like, bells. Okay. Across. And it's, like, again, it, like, I'm saying, like, these times, like, one minute, two minute, five minutes, because I checked. Like, it's really about this long. Like, it's almost a five-minute sequence of him, like, booby-trapping the house to put up, like, ghost monitoring devices. And then uh, the cord gets, like, tripped, and the bell goes sliding down the thing. His mom calls him up and says the ghost followed them into the hotel. And then he's like, okay, we'll come back home. And then there's no more booby-trapping-related events whatsoever. <laughs> so I was like, thank you for wasting my time <laughs> showing me a guy, like, putting fishing wire across things with little bells ringing. Oh, dude. I can't like it's it just it was just boring and dull and stupid. Uh, he's by himself now. The pillows got messed up where you didn't see him. See him like he was like, how did this happen? And there was like pillows. The couch pillows were so like the suspicion the with these movies is that they're just going to be awful rehashes with not a grain of creativity. Right. Expanding. Exactly. And is that what this is? I guess. And then. Um, oh, yeah. This is the other thing. This is the one of the effects. There's like what he sets down the camera and it's like pointed at a candle and then the candle like flickers, Mm -hmm. but like you audibly hear someone blowing. (laughs) (laughs) Like you hear like, 
I was like, why would you not mute the mic? Like, you could just, there's no reason. Like, that could just be a still frame shot and you'd have almost a special effect. But you just clearly hear someone breathing off Amram. This sounds amazing. Oh, my God. Um, then uh, the sister is topless in a bathtub screaming. Mm-hmm. Then they finally get a hold of Dr. Priest. Dr. Priest shows up and he's like, you guys need to have an open mind, but I think we can get through this. Then it cuts to black, more screaming. Hang on a sec. You need to have an open mind? Haven't they already all admitted that there's a ghost in the house? Yeah, but I think it's you need to be open to the exorcism or something. But remember, they don't show anything, so there's no ritual shown. He's just talking about the ritual, then it fades to black, then there's screaming, then when it comes to the priest is dead. Uh, then you run into the bedroom, the camera, like cameraman, cause he's holding the camera, obviously runs into the bedroom and his sister is kind of doing like a, like a gymnastics back bridge and is naked and full of blood, which is the only scene that is even remotely kind of like, Whoa. Uh, and then it's over. <laughs> Thank she, she killed him by doing a back bridge. <laughs> Well, no, but then like like it, it drops and you hear like thump, 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 like which I guess is maybe him killing her or something. Also, the opening crawl alludes to the fact that he raped that he rapes her, which and then they um, they they call it um, a, the monster is like a marron or something, which is like a Germanic word for nightmare, which is apparently like uh, incubus or something. I don't know. Hmm. So there's like there's like this weird like sexual undertone that they only like talk about in the lore, but uh, is not really in the film. Okay. Anyway. And then it's over. Yeah. It's on Tubi, which you, so anyone can listen to this can watch it for free. Tubi.com. That's a glowing recommendation. T-U-B-I. It's a, it's an app uh, for free that you can get and watch these movies with a couple of commercial ad breaks. It's a a totally free streaming service. It's the kind of movie that is, you can Worth watch every a, penny. On a totally free streaming service. Oh, I like Tubi. They got the best selection of 80s cartoons. I mean, they also have not crap. Like, featured movie on Tubi right now is The Truman Show. That's like a fine film. It was a fine film. Yeah, it's not just the dregs, but I mean, but they still got to round out that, like, Tubi is home to over 10,000 movies. Like, 100 of which are any good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this was. Um, Bad, like so you're looking at like John Wick alien level. Hmm. Um. Like I think it, it like it's it's got to go straight 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 to the bottom. Remember that song? Same Is somebody taking notes? Um, I took. Yeah. I'm taking some. Right. The last note I took said COVID patients need to be body snatched. Mm-hmm. By Donald Sutherland. By Donald Glover. That's, that's uh, a sentence. <laughs> Did you say dong lover? I said what? Did you guys hear the new uh, the new the new childish Gambino? Did not. I thought he was done yeah. with that. Well, it's it's released under Donald Glover, uh-huh. but uh, he's still childish Gambino on uh, many uh, social media, so it's unclear what um, under what moniker it is. Uh-huh. And like, but there, and there's also songs on it that have been released as singles by Childish Gambino before he kind of retired it. So I don't know. I believe that this is probably the bridge. Mm-hmm. This album is likely the bridge away from, from Childish into Donald Glover. But yeah, no, it's very good. It's hot fire. Check it out. 
Uh, I'm looking, scrolling, 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 scrolling. I need to do Scroll. some updates on this thing. Yeah, Soul Man tiptoes. Yeah. Yeah, no, way worse. Way worse than all of those things. Giant Papier Mache. I feel that it's it just like the only, thing, the only thing it could be possibly better and better than is Leonard Part 6. Like, it's that bad. It's awful. Like, it's just, it's, it's, you could put it on and easily fall asleep. Like, you know, uh, I talked with, um, it's, it's the ASMR of horror movies. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you, <laughs> if you don't mind the fact that occasionally there's going to be some banging on the doors, like that's as and that's as loud as it's gonna get in the occasional scream. You could easily put this movie on to like drift off. Like remember that uh, Deb and I talked about like the English la- history of the English language podcast. Yeah, dude, I have yeah, to listen to that every other night <laughs> because it's the podcast you listen to to go asleep. Uh huh. But yeah, so it's the history of the English language podcast of film of that's horror a, movie. That's amazing. So, but you, uh, you're the one who saw the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and it has managed to, to survive quite a lot of other films getting added to bottoms of the list. Yeah, but at least there was some music and yeah. stuff. Remember, wow. Remember, since it's found footage, there isn't even a score. Nope. Right? Like, there's no score. There's no music. It's just, like, 90s handicam footage for an hour and a half. Nothing of consequence happens until the last five minutes. It's just – it reminded me a lot of the – like, in, in South Park when uh, when – uh, what's Stan's dad name? Uh, Mr. Marsh. Yeah. Uh, whatever. When he, when they were making fun of the um, the Cloverfield film, where he's just like running and looking at his feet. Yeah. I'm so startled. I'm so startled. <laughs> <laughs> so much of the movie is just cameras pointed at people's feet as they run around. Like mm-hmm. I guess trying to like create a sense of like confusion. Oh, or where to hide the cuts? Also, it's, it's Randy. Cuts. Randy yeah. Marsh. Randy Marsh, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, because even though they're bad versions of the songs, the Rocky Horror Picture Show had some songs in it that were like moments of catchy music, which this film did not. Uh-huh. Yeah, no. It, it's the, the second worst film ever made, Paranormal Entity. <laughs> John, we did the thing. Uh-huh. We found something to, to torture him with. I feel really mm-hmm. happy. But, like, but the thing is, is that like, I don't even know. Like... It, I love it wasn't the fact even, that there was wasn't no even, like, torturous. Like, it was, like, and this is why I'm saying, like, I, there maybe needs to be, like, an almost ban on them. Because it wasn't making me mad. It was making me sleepy. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, like it wasn't like when you were watching United Passions and you're like, this is awful and terrible. This was, I was just like, oh, this is just, like, if we decided to make a movie with my handicam. And we're like, do you have a budget? Nope. <laughs> and Dude, then just, the, the fact that there was no camp. There was no like humor to find in the production. Just just means that we chose the perfect movie. Uh, I I I don't hate it. I'm just saying those, it's those kind of a one trick pony because I'm like, like if you say if you guys are like oh watch the next one. I'll yeah, like, I, I kind of I'm into that as well. Like if this if this one is representative of the dreck that that those movies are, we don't have to revisit it. Yeah, or maybe like I, I said, maybe, maybe a little bit of. Uh, like I mean, like Sharknado and shit. I'm sure is, has yeah. has has the moments. Like I I remember Sharknado being pretty fun. I, Shark- I saw the first three Sharknados. They're campy. They're, they're goofy and self aware, and you know, they're they're written that way. The fact that we chose the one of these films that is just, just 
plain oatmeal is great. Yeah, and and like and that's the thing too is like I, I mean I was like I went in with like an open mind, kind of being like knowing there was like the Sharknados and whatever, and I was like, oh, there's they're gonna come at it with kind of like a campy edge, and they don't. They just they play it fully straight. There's no scares. It's just garbage. Okay, that like, sounds awful. Very bad. All right, hang on. I'm gonna pause this recording. So, Scott, do you want to tell us about the movie Coco? Sounds like you do. Um, <laughs> I mean, Coco's good, and if you haven't seen it, you should see it. But we were talking about emotionally manipulative films. Mm-hmm. And I saw mm-hmm. two movies that were both very emotionally manipulative in completely different ways. So one of them was Coco, and the other one? No, no, no. Coco I saw a long time ago. I saw okay. Onward, which is uh, Pixar's newest um offering mm-hmm. disney pixar it's very clearly a disney pixar movie what does that yes. mean so more like tango less like toy story yes okay yeah not a <laughs> anyways it's about two kids who um live in a world where magic had once happened so imagine if in human history we look back at medieval times and it was in fact accepted history that like High fantasy ruled those times, but right, it was a so long like, time ago when no one. So like, no one when we, like in King Arthur, that the, Merlin was a real wizard, and it's like documented. Yeah, and we all knew that. We all accept it. Magic existed, but we stopped that because Merlin that, was a real wizard. This is documented. We all accept that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, they live with their mom. Their father died when they were both very young, uh, and they find out on. Uh, the younger son's 16th birthday that their father was a wizard who had discovered a spell that would allow him to come back for one day to meet his sons and hang out with them. Hmm. And they have, they have wacky hijinks to, to do that because the spell gets messed up and that clock starts ticking for that one day for them to finish the spell, to actually spend some time with them. And it's kind of fun and there's good adventure. Um, so they only get design is very cool. That's what this is heading, isn't it? And uh, it's Tom Holland and Chris Pratt, who are the two brothers who are trying hmm. to, to solve this. And it's very, very emotionally manipulative in a way that I didn't find was super sincere. Huh. I felt like it was really pulling on strings rather than trying to tell a story that had emotional content. You got to earn is, that stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah I was going to say, and, and, and you're, you're like... You're a dad who I'm sure would do anything to spend one more day with your son in that kind of situation. So this is like designed to pull on your strings and you can still see through the insincerity. Yeah. Yeah. And I was was like, that's that's deeply insincere. The reason we're talking about Coco is Coco is also a Disney Pixar film that had sincere emotional heartstring pulling that there were scenes in that movie where I was genuinely sad for the characters and onward just kind of kind of whiffed on it by by forcing it and i was like oh that's too bad because the the um the plot framework that that world that they built was definitely much more up my alley than than coco was so kind of a failure there Mm -hmm. um the other movie that i saw that was incredibly emotionally manipulative was star wars the rise of skywalker (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> have you seen it yet, John? John, by the way, I have you... not. Oh goddamn! 
Wait, well, so you guys can just talk about it. I, you know, I've already okay. talked about it a little bit, and then but we've we've held off on ranking it until the three of us have seen it. So okay. I guess we'll do like we'll do like quick takes from Scott, and then we'll I guess in the next two weeks. I don't know how I'm going to get to see it. I gotta I gotta get Disney Plus now. Uh, I mean, John, there's uh, there's lots of options on the internet to find a way to see it. Probably, yeah. I'm wondering. So legitimately, I've discovered this. So Cineplex has like a video rental service. I think you can still pay for it. Huh. Like, I think you could probably even through your PlayStation 4 account. Oh, you know what? They might even have it on YouTube. They have a lot of movies on there now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where you could just you could just pay for the one shot. And yeah. yeah. Give Disney your money one time instead of a Fuck you, mouse. I mean, or you could just get a Disney Plus subscription. Is there a free trial? <laughs> like... Yeah, I'm not... I'm, not I'm just saying, if you, get, if you pay for YouTube, you're still getting the money. So why would you not like take the free subscription, watch it for free, and then disconnect before they charge you money? Yeah, that's probably a good point. <clears throat> I can watch the Mandalorian then too. I can watch what the Mandalorian? The Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the first episode. Yeah, it's it. If you if you just like subscribe and power through for less than the cost of a rental of the thing, it's probably the. the All best right way. for the for the podcast, I will watch it, but I'll right, find a way to do it for you. Exactly. So, uh, I am probably the most forgiving of them the new movies uh, of the three of us. Like, I yeah, really absolutely. like both of them. Um, man, I hated this movie so much. <laughs> it's, so dumb. it's so dumb and bad. <laughs> except for, except for what's his name? Babu Freak. Like, whatever his name is. Babu Freak. Um, 3PO has a couple of moments. That's nice. That they yeah. taught him. That I'm, I'm on board with. Um, and the rest of it is just this weird sloppy apology for the work that they did in the first two movies. So amazing. And like shameless fan service and horrible CG renderings of dead actors and such a mess. Just, just like a, Oh God, it's so unsatisfying as a so, film, as a story. And especially as part nine of a, what, 12, 11 ish movie run i bet you george lucas is so into that (laughs) like you see what happened when they took it away from me exactly (laughs) you thought it was gonna be easy huh pleasing all the fans and selling a lot of toys yeah like it was long there were long action sequences that didn't need to be there that didn't look cool it was like rehashing the mistakes of like the yoda uh, Count Dooku lightsaber fight. It's just like that's Ooh. not that's not cool. It doesn't look good. It's dragged on. Characters act crazily out of character for undefined reasons. It, it does. It pulls. It pulls a big like uh, like Game of Thrones season eight of their like. Why do they do that? Isn't that inconsistent with the character? And like to to quote the the pitch meeting because I want them to. Oh, okay then. <laughs> oh yep. God. And it's not uh, like these are like very fleshed out deep characters in the last two movies, but even with the like the little bits of character work that they put in to guys like Finn and Poe, they throw that in the garbage. Like yep. and these guys do not have much character work to begin with. Oh man, what they did with Poe Dameron and introduce uh uh Daft Punk Girl? Yeah, the Daft Punk Girl. I was like, why? That makes no sense. That's horrible. So they introduce this this character this mysterious character from his past that he's uh, sexually attracted to mm-hmm. for, for no reason. Just like, all right, she's another shady character. 
are they going to have sex? No. Just awful. Just awful. And and the not quite fridging, but almost the almost fridging of Rose. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh God. You're just sort of like okay. You have like the a, a person of color um, falls in love with kind of like a non uh, a non standard beautiful character in mm-hmm. uh, in was it the last Jedi or whatever, and then they just kind of write her out of the story because I guess people called her fat on the internet. And uh, I don't know. She had to. She had to study. She had to do some homework or whatever, so she doesn't get to be on this adventure. And Finn, who seemed legitimately into her in um, the Last, Last Jedi, Jedi, now seems to be like, "Man, get off my back, Rose." Uh, Finn wasn't into Rose at the end of Last Jedi. There were definitely sidekicks, though, in their adventure. Yeah, like I don't necessarily say it was like the. It might have been like unrequited romance. No, no, no. She tries to kiss him, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah I don't know about yeah, that." Yeah, but they they did a whole adventure together, you know. Yeah. Like, I, like, I, I so agree that it would be kind of unrequited love, but it was still like a di- a thing. Like there was a, there was some tension or something dynamic that could have happened between those characters, and then he's just like, "Man, get away from me, jerk!" Right. And then she's not in the movie, <laughs> and she's put on the shelf, like completely. Yeah, and, like we're so and, like, and you're introduced to another character that Finn has an adventure with that is basically Rose, but not Rose. But cool. But, but, but like more traditionally better looking and, you know, also black. Right. And just right. awful. Well, you know, it's important lessons from Star Wars. <laughs> but then at and the like, very end, Billy D. Margin, Williams, what are you doing now? <laughs> just God, to the girl, margin, like one third of his age. It just, it felt like they were saying, they read all the internet comments and they well actually them in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like are, are Finn and Poe romantically inclined? Well, actually no. Right. We're going to make sure that right. that's not possible. Yeah, we're going to make, we're going to make sure Poe is definitely straight and has definitely banged a hot shake just to remove any ambiguity. There might <sighs> be. It was awful. It was so bad. But the greatest moment. Was there cool lightsaber fighting? Not even. Not no. even. No, there was, there's Palpatine somehow being more hammy than the middle trilogy? Yeah. Like, I don't even know. That's kind of his business. You know, he's mis- he's like Dr. Evil, eviling it up with his ugly old face. So, cackling madly. Star base? Hang on, no, John has to watch this so we can, like, like there's, there's, we're just going to rehash this when all three of us are Okay, seeing. okay, okay, okay. It's coming, it's coming. I'm going to do it for next time. It's going to so happen. Again, Scott, I can just tell you the, the one moment of pure joy that came out of The Rise of Skywalker, though, was when they erase 3PO's mind and they're just sort of like, and Babu Freak goes, yeah! Like, so happy that he did it. <laughs> like, every other character in the scene is, like, forlorn and distraught that they just had to erase 3PO's memory banks. And they're uh-huh. like, is it done? They're like, his memory banks are clean. And the little Babu Freak guy just throws his hands up and, like, like because he did, he was, like, the hacker who hacked C-3PO. Right, just like, right, right. yeah! Just like, didn't, so- didn't they undo it? They Sorry. undo what? What? Didn't they undo it a scene later? Oh, yeah, yeah. They just put his yeah. memory back in. But in that moment, I didn't necessarily know they were going to just put his memory back in. But just the entire main cast being sad and this new little, like, gribbly three-inch tall dude yeah, being yeah, elated yeah. that he has erased a main character's mind. Wasn't it Cromulus French? He's like a duplicate of that guy? Oh, uh, no. You're Not thinking Crom- of Pernicious, yeah. Pernicious no. Snit. Yeah, that guy. And it, no, this guy's way cooler. Okay, anyway, we'll be back to this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I watched... Harley Quinn. Which How was that? Wait. No, uh, you watched Birds of Prey, The Fabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Get fan, it? 
Fantabulous. The Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Get it right. Get it right. Uh, I'm going to wait. I'm going to comics. I'm going to wait to talk to you guys about this until you see it, which you should. Really? It was fun. And watch it with your lady friends. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I, so. I will watch it. Well, it was both written and directed by, by women, and it has a weird, interesting take on that. And uh, in some ways, it's better than Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. I have heard so, similar. In some ways, uh, it's very much not. But it was an interesting and not unentertaining uh, romp. I don't know that old uh, Warner Brothers has been knocking them out of the park in not the last really. little while. Uh, I think it was better than Wonder Woman, which was pretty much the best they had put out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Point. So, yeah, I would watch it again like next weekend if I had to. It was not hmm. not uninteresting, flawed, but what's what's the, what's this selling? The reason to go see this if I'm if I've given up on DC superhero movies, a superhero movie with an all female cast that isn't pandering. And I mean, that has kind of the only that one have. that there is. <laughs> I guess that has, that has characters that have different motivations that stay true to their characters all the way through the movie. So like Renee Montoya and Harley Quinn and Black Canary and Huntress all want different things and they don't just like become the same person at the end of the movie to just, just to be guy. a hero or whatever. Uh, Ewan McGregor is a delight mm-hmm. as Black Mask. Uh, he brings something unique to that character to make him interesting. And it ties up in a normal and makes sense kind of way for a crime caper. Hmm. So yeah, that was the other thing I heard too, is that it, it does the thing that these movies or like superhero movies often make a mistake of is that it like, it basically sticks to the caper at no point is there like, and now the world is in danger. Yeah. Like, <laughs> There's you know, no, there's no like huge plot holes where I would normally be like, that's awful. You know, they don't Stephen King the ending. It it works. There's some weird pacing issues, and they do probably too too many fight scenes in the movie. Um, but are the fight yeah, scenes good though? They are good. They're just there's one of them that, that especially I'm like that's just long. Doesn't need to be there. The plot, the movie should move more intensely. It's got kind of a baby driver feel to it in the I mean, way that it like trucks a along. Good thing, really high praise. Yeah, yeah baby driver is very good. Yeah. It is not it is not baby driver, but it kind yeah. of moves at that clip that baby driver does. So you're not bored at any point watching the movie here, <laughs> Keith. <laughs> <laughs> baby driver I, felt like flipping through a comic book almost. Yeah. yeah. There, there were there were points in Paranormal Entity where I was like Man, I wish I was watching that Warhol Empire State movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, uh, check it out. We are, we'll we'll come back to this one on the on the list. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Batman, I have read. Oh, I hang on, hang on, Keith. We got to put Onward on the list very quickly. Oh yeah, rank Onward. We'll we'll wait for Star Wars, and you guys should watch uh, Birds of Prey before we dive into uh, it. Below Zootopia, I'm guessing. Like, you're the kind of kids' movie... Aficionado. Yeah, exactly. 
Hmm, I'm going to put it right where it belongs. So... Which is above X-Men Apocalypse. Okay. Uh, so The Descendants. Hmm, no, not as good as The Descendants in a weird... Really? Wow. No, no, it's... No, that, I'm going to take that back. It's better than that. It's just... But then it's got. Uh, I don't think it can. It, can it pass Teenage Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows or Justice League? It can't pass Goon. Like these movies are better than Garbage Pail Kids. Maybe it can. I don't yeah. know. Actually, Goon is the ceiling. It's gonna go right under Goon, right above Justice well, Goon League. Goon Two, right? It's Goon Two. Goon Two. <laughs> so under Goon Two, above Justice League. That's a that's a perfect spot for it. Because mm-hmm. it's it's fine. I just. It hurt my feelings that it tried to hurt my feelings so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but I was going to say, um, I have recently, I'm st- I'm now into the year zero part, but I've read about the first two years of Scott Snyder's run on New 52 Batman. Hmm. Oh, yeah? yeah? I read a bunch of that recently, too. So that's, I've read the, uh, the Court of Owls, and and then um, the death of the family, uh, Joker Returns storyline of Scott Snyder. So, um, I guess Scott, you would know this. So I, I don't really remember. Like, so like the New Fifty Two was like a hot, like a soft reboot, I guess. It was a product of Flashpoint. So okay. it, it's actually a, a very hard reboot. Um, but the thing, but it, but it, well, it's a hard reboot to the like universe we know. But then, like issue one of Batman is still like, here's Batman. He's not exactly what you know, but there's still Nightwing, there's still Robin, there's still Damien. Like, there's still the entire Bat family is already established. So it's like, a, it's just years, that every, the five Bat years family. after the start of the or, the you, the superhero universe. That's right. the new Fifty Two. Yeah, exactly. We've been in year five. Yeah, and and with the assumption that those those five years were a lot like what you know from the comics, but they they allowed authors to go back and change shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was like you were you jumped into like 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 Scott said year five. So there's like all these characters that you recognize in Batman. They're not like introducing. He's not like I will become a bat. It's like no, he's Batman. He's Gotham's right, savior. Right. Blah 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 blah. His background is, like I said, similar enough that we could jump in five years and you're not, like, lost. But they let people kind of, like, tweak, I guess, the character stories. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. And then Scott Snyder proceeded to introduce, I guess, the most important addition to the Batman verse since Harley Quinn. Batman Incorporated? No, the, the Court of Owls. Oh, the Court of Owls. Sure. Batman Incorporated was before New 52. Yeah, but I would say they're probably bigger than Court of Owls. Yeah. Well, but then certainly the or Pantheon of Villains. I think the only real contribution Professor to the Pantheon. Pig. I don't know. Professor Pig? I don't I didn't I didn't like that stuff. Even though it was it's Grant Morrison, right? Who did it? Yeah. Or, yep. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't take all that. I, mean, I found the Court of Owls so like Huh? I'm not saying he's not he's a bad villain, but I'm saying that like the Court of Owls was like a thing that I not really following the comics heard about. Yeah, because it showed up in Gotham. Uh, no, I never got that part of Gotham. What is the Court of Owls? The Court. Yeah, court. No. court. Um, um, they are a Illuminati-type 
organization that runs Gotham. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, and that, that's, that's basically, basically it. They wear owl masks when they meet. Yeah, but it's like that their 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 level of manipulation over Gotham is such that like it basically like undoes Batman. Like they have him like locked up in a giant catacomb maze, forcing him to like relive his terror and stuff like that. Like again and again, like they <laughs> like it's they really screw with him because it's like he's never like he he like and it's kind of interesting because it starts off because he's like Bat- Gotham is my city and the whole premise of the Court of Owls is like. No, it's not. It's like this court of owls runs it. Mm-hmm. And like you've been like allowed to exist only at their like leisure and now they're coming back on you. So it's just I find it, I just like that it was kind of like a different take on the Batman villain because usually it's like a villain trying to screw with the city. This is like no, they're already there. They already run everything and they have this entire time. Mm-hmm. So everything Batman thought he knew is wrong. So I thought it was kind of fun. Uh, so yeah, that that that's like a big long run. Uh, I liked it a lot. Um, I liked that there was a lot of detectiving in it, also. Yeah, which is, which is Snyder's uh, pretty good at that. Yeah, like making sure that there's a mystery to solve. Like even, uh, and then he does the the death of the family, not death in the family, which is like Joker returns. But and again, so like remember, this is like five years into the future. So it's mm-hmm. like so again, you know that Joker Joker is already Batman's greatest enemy. But he gets to show up for the first time in this new fifty two verse in issue like eighteen or whatever sure. of, of the new fifty two. And uh his he had the doll maker cut his face off and the Gotham PD have, has had his face in evidence, and then he like shows back up again to like steal his face back and just like straps it to his face and it's all kind of grisly. And I was like, It's fine. I was like, You made me feel kind of uncomfortable, which is I'm totally okay with reading a reading a Joker story and he, he screws with him. And then uh, it kind of becomes like a sort of traditional-ish Joker story. Like he kidnaps everybody. Batman has to choose if he wants to kill him and all that stuff. But the one part at the end that I really liked in terms of the writing, it's like one of the parts of the mystery is like uh, Batman at a certain point in time found a Joker card essentially like in the Batcave, mm-hmm. right? And was like, oh, like, like he must have, he got in here and whatever else. And he's like, early on in my career, like right after that incident happened, Joker was in Arkham. I was visiting Arkham as Bruce Wayne and like found like a moment to be alone. And he's like the whole entire time, like as they're going on, Batman keeps talking about like looking into Joker's eyes and seeing Joker's eyes like react in weird ways. Like he's like, when he looks at me, it's like the closest thing to like love and adulation that like I've ever seen anyone ever look at me. Mm -hmm. Like it's like, it's a crazy thing. And like, and then when he's supposed to react, like, the way he's like, most killers get like a look in the eye right before they kill, but Joker doesn't have that look in his eyes before he kills. Like he doesn't even react or flinch or anything. It's all typical Joker crap. Okay. He's like, so he's like, as Bruce Wayne, when he holds up the card to Joker, as Bruce Wayne in Arkham Asylum, he's like, his eyes didn't even recognize me because he just doesn't care. Like, he's like, I, I'm only interested in Batman. I have no interest in you as a, what you're, identity is or whatever which i was like that's like kind of fun like he's like why would he give a shit who batman is other than batman like it's a game to him you know like i just thought it was like maybe it, I, I just thought it was a fun like little little like angle on the villain being like yeah he just doesn't care like why like that what it what are his goals it's not to find out my secret identity like it's just to screw with me because he's joker i thought it was fun it's i've i've enjoyed the writing and all that stuff enough to like I said, push through 
first two years of comics, so it's 24 issues. So, mm-hmm. Let me know when you get to Eternal. I, I, I like to Eternal a lot. So, the, yeah, the, the next one I'm at is then after issue 24, they do year zero, right? Like, they do them as, as the Mass Vigilante. I also, just, I also reread uh, year one, like the, the Frank Miller, the last, the last Batman reboot in the 80s. That is the best Batman origin story. Mazzucchelli mm-hmm. and Miller. Yeah. It's so good. It's so perfect. The art is great. The, the mm-hmm. creation of Jim Gordon as a fully fleshed character. Yeah. Outstanding. And a fully fleshed, like, flawed character. Yep. Because right? Jim is usually, like, true blue in almost every version of it. But, like, year one has, like, yeah, Jim is cheat, like, got two into his work and then cheated on his wife with the, like, the detective lady that he's working with. And you're like, yeah, yeah he, he's, like, I was like, he's, ah. He's, he's Bret Harding it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. But then, because he's still Jim Gordon and he's true blue, like the mob is like, "We're going to tell your wife," and blah 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 blah. And he's like, he tells his wife before the mob does. It's like, so yeah. then the, like, the, the, there's like a scene like much later where like the mob calls the wife and is like, "You know what your husband's been doing?" And she's like, "Like I'm very well aware," and like hangs up on the mob, yeah. <laughs> you know. And it's like, yeah, he made a mistake. He had a bad marriage, or like he had made a like a marital a mistake. Exactly. Came came clean about it. Patched it up is now in a rough spot in his marriage, but it came clean about it. You're like, that's, it's like, that's real Jim Gordon-y shit, as yeah. opposed to just being like, he's beyond reproach. Right. Yeah. You know, like, John, have you ever read your one? I have, actually. It's one of the few. Um, and everything you have said, I agree with. I love it. Or I liked it when I read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's also like, unless I'm mistaking this all, this is like the gritty Batman that we know from um, the Nolan reboot is, is drawn Heavily. Very yeah. heavily from that vision. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was they, they read like like the gritty gritty detective Batman that they kind of introduced in the eighties and was like the Batman of the comics that we mostly read. Yeah. Was like year one is the first year of that Batman. Because it was like again it was even written as a bit of a like DC did the reboot in the eighties and that was the like the Batman reboot. Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, was yeah. year one. So speaking of comic books, the industry is in huge trouble right now oh. because of the coronavirus. So Diamond Comics Distributing has shut down. They're basically saying we're not delivering comic books to comic shops. Wow. So if you're, if you're a comic shop, you have nothing to sell. So mm-hmm. in large portions of the states where businesses are still open, um, they, they can't function. They're, they're get, they get no product to sell. Mm-hmm. The... Um, places that are shut down to business, which include New York and California, it makes up over 50% of comic shops that sell comics. And comics are sold in places where they, they're they not open. They can't be bought right now. It's crazy. Um, but I mean, I guess, lot- but it's, so uh, just a question. Like, I mean, I yep. read all of my comics digital. Yeah. So imagine you're an industry that has the ability to sell digital comics. Mm-hmm. Now, today, would you put out the next Superman comic tomorrow for New Comic Book Day and have no print copy of it and basically say to the direct market and all the stores that sell your comic books, we're bypassing you, we're bypassing you, and you will forever lose this money. And if any of the people that come into your store to buy comic books want to read this issue, they'll either have to wait two and a half months or they can log on now to Marvel Unlimited and, or mm-hmm. DC app and, and 
DC Universe and, and read it now. So, what do you do? Tricky. What are they doing? Man, I don't know. But like, I, I like. I'm just saying, but like the the gaming gaming books do it, right? Like, you can go and to D and D Beyond or whatever and, and get the gaming books digital day one. You can also order them online, and then there's also even like you can order the physical books online. And I'm, I'm saying outside of COVID world, and then often they put out like variant covers for the like for the game shops. I'm not saying it's like the perfect system, mm-hmm. but like it does. There are industries that work that way. Yes, but not serial print media. Like, if would you go next week to pick up the new copy of the Gazette after having read all their articles on your phone? If oh, but you were I'm not normal, a comic collector, right? So, are you more? But I mean, but like comicsology, though, like still, like under normal circumstances, has day one digital copies often. Yeah, that's not the problem. The problem is the people who would buy the print copies. Are they going to come back in two months and give the stores that money for those books in paper when they're already two months old and possibly read online? I guess. I mean, like, I, I, I understand that, but I'm like, but they, they never had to buy it in print if they did. Like, honestly, if I were comic a comic producer, I would just say for my physical media chums or whatever, like, I don't know if the digital comics are always cheaper. I know often they are, but if you like, if you pay the full price, you get it on digital and then you get, get a little voucher or something to exchange it for the hard copy because you're a collector. Like the, the thing is the, 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 the Marvel, the DC, the image, those guys make their money from the direct market. Their, their fan bases come from the direct market. And if you start undercutting the direct market and bankrupting the direct market. Yeah, but I mean, but these, these are stores that are closed that people can't go into. Like, we're not talking about, like, undercutting the direct market. We're talking about maintaining a fan base so that when the direct market comes back, there's still a fan base. Because if you just stop making Superman... Well, there's a good chance I'm going to stop giving a shit about Superman over the next couple months. If people stop paying for Superman in the direct market, then they're they're, they're not going to make it anymore. Yeah, but hence Store, what I'm saying is that, the like, but, but, the but they can't pay for it at the direct market. These stores are closed. Like that's my point. They're not an essential service. Yep, and like, you're going to bankrupt them by not giving them any business when they open again. They're going to be gone. I really think that's on the fan. You're trying to explain this away, but this is something that the market people are saying is is going to happen, and it worries them enough to change their behavior. So I don't know what you're arguing about here. No, I I, I just don't understand why like they wouldn't go to adapt, like I said, like to a voucher thing or whatever, where you can buy it digital and then you have a little voucher, and then when it goes open, you get your three physical copies. Like like it's a weird enough business that if if anyone is buying a physical copy today, it's because they want a physical copy. There's nothing that stops them from buying it digital. Like, if there is no COVID-19, I can go on Comixology the day a comic comes out and buy it digitally. They, they don't limit it to the day? Nope, not at all. Mm. Like, you get it day of digital. If you want the physical copy, and I understand it's an important part of the business, but it's the market that is buying the physical copy is the market that wants the physical copy. Like, so that's what I'm well, saying. Like, here's here's the thing, Keith. Just, just imagine you only read Batman, okay? Huh? That's the only... The only character you care about you just only read batman mm-hmm. and the comic stores are closed for two months right in two months are you going to walk into your comic store and say hey give me all 16 issues at four dollars a pop of the batman issues i've missed because detective comics comes out weekly and batman comes out weekly 
No, but if I was given a choice to buy a digital copy for $2 each or a digital copy for $4 that comes with a voucher that I can get my physical copy in three months, I'd keep paying my $4, read my digital, and then I would update my collection when the store opened because I understand. The store is gonna, so you're going to say, hey, we're going to take, uh, what, 25, 20, 18% of your business and just just take that directly for us, not give it to you, and... Maybe also steal no, the question of your customer. Back with the publisher to like produce printing costs or whatever, and like whatever. Well, I'm, I just gave, made up a number, but I'm like whatever the math is, where the store would make its profit. The store exchanges the vouchers back to Marvel, gets the money back, and the business is saved. Yeah, Marvel has no interest in doing that. Sure, but I mean, but then you just said Disney, like Marvel, makes most of its money on direct market. So if they want to keep that business alive, then they need to do that. That's what I'm saying. It's it's a weird, troubled, problemed business and they can't give it to like some of the stores that are still open and not the others because that's the same thing people will just order from them mm -hmm. it's it's a it's a nightmare for the industry and you're gonna see uh come august the comic book industry as a whole is gonna look radically different mm -hmm. because they just have like bars they're all gonna be closed <laughs> i mean kind of yeah <laughs> you get everyone used to drinking at home and then really hope that you get everyone used to drinking at home. The social benefits don't extend the same way to bars as they do to a lot of the other people. And mm -hmm. most uh, bar venues are rentals, so they have to rely on the landlord actually giving them a rental break. And if they don't feel like it, they have to keep paying rent for their closed store. So then, goodbye, bars. Yep. Uh, it's going to be nuts. It's going to be a weird... Uh, weird so are we going to do, do robots? I feel we should, we should end on, on robots. I'll take a pause and we can do robots. Cool. I have so many robot talks. So the last thing we have to take care of, ladies and gentlemen, of the nine to five entertainment system, faithful, I suppose. Uh, we need to make a Mount Rushmore of robots. How did you guys how feel about this one? I thought this was a real challenge. It's freaking hard i i literally i i will say right now i am going into this without i think any locks on the mountain mm -hmm. well i don't know there's a couple that i'm sure we'll get to it scott how about you is this I, easy i have two locks and a whole bunch of points to argue if i could okay. about the rest. Uh, provide some history though before we get going sure. the term robot is a relatively new term. Uh, the first use of it is uh, only in 1921. So the term robot is less than 100 years old. Mm -hmm. It comes from the Czech word uh, robota, which means, I believe, manual labor, I want to say. Yeah, it is 19, yeah, from a 1921 science fiction play called Rosum's Universal Robots by Karl Čepek. comes from the Czech word robota, which means forced labor. Nice. By contrast, by contrast, the word Android is 200 years old and was first used in 1728 in reference to an automaton. Hmm. So Android is a significantly older term than robot, even though I feel that like in like sci-fi, robots have become less. They're like the 1920s a robot, but an Android is like a more advanced version. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Interesting. I just thought that was kind of interesting that androids, like the term Android was so much older. Like I didn't know robot was like, I knew it was kind of 
early, like when like Asimov wrote his thing. But I didn't know that like the word android was so much, so much older than the mm-hmm. word robot. So, so the ground rules on this again: we're we're talking robots and androids, artificial life forms, and not cyborgs or uh, AIs. AIs. They got they got to be be like ambulatory, you know. Yeah. That's like part that, of it. That that was I had a question because floating around adjacent to my list because I couldn't remember the rules was Hal, where I was like, I say Hal is no, he's like an AI, he's like a ship, the same way like the Navigator doesn't count hmm. or V'ger. right? Okay, that's fair. Hal Hal was not on my list, or or like, he, he was he was he was like floating around in my head. As a as a high ranking, how's here with a big question mark? <laughs> yeah. So who's who's your who's your lock? Let's see. Yeah. Okay, Scott, you got locks. Yeah, I got a lock. Data. We, yep, that's a good that's a good one. I'd be hard to argue against it. It's very iconic for decades. Uh, Lieutenant Commander Data of Star Trek: The Next Generation, created by Doctor Nunyan Sung, mm-hmm. existed for Brother seven Tumor. seasons. How many movies? Five? Four or five movies. Four or five? I think. Yep. And then shows up in Picard. And, uh, yeah, like, probably challenges uh, for the top three in all of Star Trek famous characters. So, Is, is there another, like, robot from TV that would be bigger than... Data. So, are we also are we limiting are we limiting ourselves to um, robot robots or like also species of robots? So, do you want to apply a particular member of that species, or do you want to say what the species is? Well, that's what I'm saying. Because, like, for instance, you said that like, oh, they're robots, but I'm like, like, for instance, it's unclear to me. I know I'm still kind of like focusing on the rules and not necessarily about data, but like the Cybermen and Daleks are clearly robots. But they're a species, so they yeah. procreate in some way or something. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, they're a, they're not just robots. Like, if they're making, I think themselves... you could say the same way that, that like I think rapier should have counted for the yeah. swords. Well, you could say Daleks, and then that would count as the robot for for your entry. I so, would disqualify both of them as cybernetic organisms. They both have organic compounds to them. So does Data. Data has some organic bits in there, but he's still a robot because. Oh. Doesn't data later gets a patch of skin grafted to him? That does not count. But what about his soul chip, or whatever the hell? Uh, data didn't even make it onto my list, but I understand. Like the I other understand t- other TV thing. robots, though, Bender would would I think challenge him? Bender's up there. Bender's been around for a good long time. Um, Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime. Okay, that's into cartoons, but yeah, still television. Yeah, still television. I also have Gunter on my list. Gunter. Gunter? Yeah. From? Class M3 model B9, general non-utility, non-theorizing environmental control robot from Lost in Space. Danger Will Robinson. Danger. Mm. You know, he was actually just called the robot in the original Lost in Space. Hmm. Yep. No name. Anyway. Uh, So, uh, I also gave a... A nod to Kit. Night Rider. Interesting. I but like again. No, it, no, that's a robot. Kit? It can drive itself. It can, like, it opens the doors. It talks yeah. to him. Like, Kit is definitely a robot that happens to be a car. 
Yeah. Like if, if Optimus Prime is a robot, then Kid is also a robot that can't. Tra- he's a transformer that can't transform. Uh, okay, so I think Data is, is strong. Strong. Yeah. I, would, I would hard. I would be hard pressed to find a more beloved robot character. Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. And the one, I guess I just I got two challengers for that. But the 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 next one that would be as beloved in a different way would be Wally. Uh-huh. Mm. And yeah, also, also not on my list. Wally is such an endearing character. Such a character that like was so perfectly designed and fleshed out and portrayed. I like Wally. I just I don't think that he can like like I don't see so here's he was, he was there for one movie. That's his inf- my, impact. My current my current yep. I'm I'm keeping I'm keeping notes on this. Mm-hmm. So I've written down Bender yeah. Optimus Prime and Wally, and I don't see Wally getting over Bender or Optimus Prime. Like I haven't put them on the mountain yet. Like I have Data on the mountain, mm-hmm. and but I was like, is Wally a bigger deal than Optimus Prime or Bender? I don't think so. Like I agree. So I, I have some weird curveballs. Okay. Sure. Um, the Rock'em Sock'em robots. Interesting. Did they get a movie? They did. Because I think they did. You're talking about Real Steel? (laughs) Called Real Steel. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But also I was like, again, have been around forever, are immediately identifiable. If you see a Rock'em Sock'em robot thing, you know who they are immediately. Okay, okay. But what is the impact culturally of the Rock'em Sock'em robot? Other than a toy with which you could mash up other toys like a toy that's been in production for like 50 60 years like that's like rubik's cube level of longevity sure. on a boy sure. yeah but it's got the basic impact slightly under hungry hungry hippos mm-hmm. maybe i'm just saying they're very famous for okay over. here's a good curveball it has been in production since 1964 cool it's worth like I, I just don't think it's gonna go up um here's my curveball Daft Punk. Daft Punk was my other character. Daft Punk are robots. Those robots belong on Mount Rushmore. They have impacted music for 20-some-odd years, way ahead of their time. Go back and listen to Homework and realize that was 1992, 93? No, 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 no. It was 95, 4, maybe? Whatever. It was way early. The Homework Daft Punk album was 1997. Seven. Okay, good. Well, anyway, whatever. Still. Yeah, still. 23 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, January 1997. So, yeah, full 23 years ago. Yeah, Daft Punk was was actually one of my locks. Yeah. Like, in in the world of robots, they are robots. How about Mega Man? More than 50 video games. 5-0... How many different musical acts related to reproducing the music? <laughs> Cartoons, movies. See, Mega Man, like, Optimus Prime was in my Mega Man slot. Yeah. Because you don't get Mega Man without Astro Boy. Very true. But in the modern era, how many people are going to recognize? Like, you'll recognize the image of Astro Boy, and maybe you saw an episode when you were a kid. Did you watch a lot of Astro Boy? Because I played all of the Mega Mans, like, on a regular basis. Yeah. I would also say that to, to me, Astro Boy is to Mega Man as Dracula is to Gary Oldman's Bram Stoker's Dracula. And we put Gary Oldman's Bram Stoker's Dracula on the mountain over Dracula, Dracula. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think that Mega Man beats out Astro Boy. Right. But then I think that Optimus Prime beats both of them. 
I don't think that's true. Optimus Prime was like two seasons of show. Are you fucking joking? Optimus Prime has been the, the main character in like 10 to 12 different iterations of the cartoon. I guess that's like true. They dozens, dozens of comics, a multi-billion dollar movie series. Like, yeah, that's actually a good point. Cause it's, it's totally like returned into the modern era with the, the Michael Bay movies. Yeah, whereas Mega Man hasn't had his renaissance yet. Yeah, like, yeah. and like, like in some form or another, Transformers has been in comics or cartoons for thirty years. The whole stretch, you yeah. know, like more than thirty years, coming on forty. Like it was early eighties, eighty-five. Yeah, so yeah, coming up on forty years of Optimus Prime always being in a thing. Okay, so, yeah. okay, you're selling me on that one being a lock. I, I yeah. want you to, I want you to listen to this for. Um, Transformers, like Transformers from eighty four to eighty seven. Transformers the movie in eighty six. Transformers the Headmasters in eighty seven. Uh, Transformers Victory in nineteen eighty nine. Transformers Zone in nineteen ninety. Transformers Generation two from ninety two to ninety four. Beast. These Wars. are just the cartoons. This yeah. is the cartoons. Beast Wars. There's comic running this whole time 99. also. Uh, Beast Wars the second in nineteen ninety eight. Um, Beast Machines from 1999 to 2001. Uh, Beast War Metals, 1999 video game. That doesn't yeah. count. Uh, then we end up with Transformers Superlink, 2004 anime. Transformers Cybertron, the 2005. Okay, okay, okay. There was a lot of Transformers. Transformers yeah. the animated series from 2007 to 2009. <laughs> and, that's, like said, and that's just cartoons. Yeah. There's, there's the movies and there's comics running that whole time. Like, and like, God, Transformers Prime. Uh, yeah. Transformers. Rest uh, like, Gods, like, I would say Optimus, Optimus Prime was Optimus Prime was my only hard lock. Hmm. Like, 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 was I was like, it's because of that. I was like, you've been around forever. Um, another one, uh, the Terminator. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he's on my list. I, I, like, I didn't have any locks really. I have a lot that I I could I could argue about. Another one might be Marvin. Paranoid Android. Yep. There's not. I couldn't think of too many from like straight literature that. That would beat it. Kind of make it. Yeah. My other... Uh, we're talking the T-800, right? The Schwarzenegger model. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yes, like, like, like Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator. Like, not just the Terminator, the type of robot. Uh, the other one that I have a hard time not putting up there would be R2-D2. Mm-hmm. He's on my list very high as well. Not C-3PO? Not C-3PO. Nazi three PO D two. Why is that, and why not the both of them? Well, they're different robots. Because they're they're. I would say that they're not always together. I believe Daft Punk could occupy a single spot, but they're separated in lots of the movies. Like they they go on their own little things, right? I mean, well, just the like, at least in the first one. In the first one, like R two is often in a X wing, while C three PO is just you know like fumbling some, about <laughs> somewhere else yeah exactly like yeah. like they're not they're not like an exclusively like an exclusive pair they mm-hmm. are absolutely a pair but they're like batman and robin they're not necessarily like daft punk where they're always two i have a couple on my list that are like old-timey iconic robots that mm-hmm. i don't know that they could occupy individually a space but they might be worth something together and also i'll go down my list of those ones so okay. there's futura the like golden woman from metropolis yeah yeah, yeah there's if I knew anything more about her than her image. Exactly, all exactly. <laughs> That's why I wanted to stop. There's Gort from The Day the Earth Stood Still, yep. which, again, everybody should go and see if they haven't seen the original. There's The Iron Giant. Yes. 
who is like a brilliant character. Does he get outside of one classic childhood movie? I'm not so sure about that. Uh, right. Yeah, you end up with him in Ready Player One. Uh, For some reason. <laughs> yeah. Roy Batty. I have got him too. I was just about to say him. I, I heard you start. Johnny Five? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that movie's got Chappie. racist overtones that I can't deal with. Chappy, 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 Chappy. Nice, Chappy. Why would you put Chappy and not Johnny Five? I mean, Antwerp did not really play a very big part of uh, Short Circuits. No. <laughs> John, on your list, do you have Ash or Bishop? I have them on the same line. Ash in brackets to specify alien and then Bishop. And I was kind of thinking, like, maybe they go together as the, like, I don't know. The rep, the rep, the replicants out of aliens? Like, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I would just, like, yeah, be, like, replicants, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So I prefer the term artificial person. Yeah. Oh, so here's another one you guys probably don't have: the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> Much as I despise corporate branding, the Energizer Bunny's been like pretty iconic for decades. Yes, but I don't know if he's a robot or an automaton. <laughs> Boy, that's pretty pretty narrow. We also you know what I mean like he only does the one thing. Yeah, but he drums and goes he, forward and, and spins. spins in a circle. <laughs> okay, the other one would be Rosie from the Jetsons. Oh, Iconic robot character, been around for a super long time. So, right. here's, personally, personally here's I'm looking... Okay. I've got four, and I want to hear you argue Bender onto this list, because he's not on my four. Okay. okay. I have a list of five right now that is not Bender. Data, Optimus Prime, the mm-hmm. T-800, and R2-D2. See, I have all four of those are on my current list of five, but there is no place for Daft Punk. Yeah. And it's, and it's I feel that Daft Punk beats someone. Data, T1, uh, T-800, Optimus Prime, Daft Punk, and? R2-D2. 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 Like, I feel those are the five strongest. Uh-huh. It's, uh... It, in that scenario, like, it's... You almost bump the Terminator... Like, I think, like, and and that's and that's like it's an insanely good movie, but just from the those like the Two sheer movies. Two yeah. insanely good movies. But then a bunch of bad ones where he was that same character and he was bad. Also, yep. a TV show. I mean, and also Optimus Prime also has a lot of bad versions of Optimus Prime, and R two D two has a lot of bad movies that he's in. <laughs> Let's like, not forget the Terminator video games. There's a lot of good ones out there. Yeah. That's it. So so here's so right now, using that sometimes you've been in things that are bad, my two locks are Data and Daft Punk, because most of what they've been in is good. <laughs> <laughs> like Optimus Prime, Terminator, and R2-D2, or like T-800 and R2-D2 have been in things that I've hated. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I, I'm I'm gonna say R2D2 is the next lock because even though the stuff he's been in that's been terrible, it's not because R2D2 has been terrible. He's been consistent. I mean, but you could say that for about a Prime, in right? a tin can. Yep. Yeah. Oddly emotive tin can. But like you can say that about Prime also. Like Optimus Prime oh. is not what's wrong with those movies. Uh, there's there's a scene where Optimus Prime pees on a. Everything is wrong with those movies. Yes, but Optimus Prime is rarely the thing that's wrong with it. He plays hide and 
he plays hide and seek behind the house in that first one. It's there's some deeply flawed Optimus moments there. Yeah. Yeah, but then remember when he ran over an Insecticon's head and then transformed up and then just kicked ass in the movie yeah. real hard? All right, I'm we're, coming, we're kicking the Terminators off. I think the, 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 Terminator, the Terminator franchise, I, I would happily put below the Star Trek franchise, below Star Wars, below Transformers, and also below Daft Punk. So I'm okay with that. All right. Well, then we do. Exactly. I think if I had if I had to, using that logic, yeah. if I had to remove like one of being like, like to your point, like one of these franchises has to be gone. Yeah. <laughs> I would, I would, I would probably sacrifice Terminator over Transformers, Star Trek, Star Wars. And <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Somehow, we came to it in complete agreement. <laughs> There's no way that our lists would have led us to this place, but we did it. I'm sorry, Mr. Schwarzenegger. Yeah. You're a very cool. I was. Uh, hang on though. So the Terminator was selected by the Library of Congress for the National Film Registry as culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. I don't know if any of the other things that we've listed have. It's got the highest of highs. It's just got so many lows. Yeah, yeah it, it's got a lot of bad, and and a lot of bad where, like Terminator Three, where he's the Terminator and he's bad. Like not just like weird little bad moments where it's like that's the Terminator. And he's bad. Like everything that's happening is awful. So yeah, I think the lows are are pretty brutal. I will say about this whole exercise, this one, I, I don't feel like any of these guys are like like head and shoulders above all of the others. You know? Yeah. Oh, like for sure. Like like I mean, like Bender, I think is right there. Terminator's right there. Yeah. Uh, like I had that same kind of thing with the the Metropolis robot. Then Mega I had to Man. Google to find out. Mega Man was right up there. Yeah, we could have done uh, the Cylons. We didn't talk about them. Yeah, two, two shows really big about robots. Yeah, yeah. So like I said, Cylons were also kind of one, but it, like again, but it's hard to necessarily. It's going to be the fifth one, you know, for sure. But but it still should be all of them. Mm-hmm. Were there robots uh, in um, Bab Five? Were they Cylons? Uh... No, no. Uh, sorry, shadows. No, the shadow weren't. No, robots. they weren't robots. Maybe they didn't do a robot thing. As far as also, there was no real comic book robots that popped out. Like I, we didn't I, even I, mention I, Ultron or whatever. <laughs> Anything yeah, for the Marvels franchise didn't even come up. Yeah, it was like Ultron and Vision were like, were, were sort of kind of got into like into my headspace, but didn't necessarily make the list. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I was like, I, I was kind of shocked that comics didn't didn't do better. I mean, are, are there any notable comic books outside of Vision and Ultron? Because those are the only two that I kind of came up with, and like I said, they didn't even like sniff my list. Not on the radar. Man, I'm staring at my bookcase right now, just like, wow. I, I can't think of Danger from the X-Men. Hmm. Who's the personification <laughs> of the Danger Room? Yeah. Uh, but he's he can make anything? That'd be pretty strong. It's, it is a pretty strong character, and it's a very interesting concept. It's just it's a concept. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, like if it's, you're talking about like strong robots, you could say Unicron. Like I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure, like in in a robot, if if this was just a who would win in a robot fight, I'm pretty sure we'd all have to vote Unicron. I don't know. Astro Boy would show up and punch him real hard, and that would be it. Yeah, lots of who's drawing it. Lots of Doombots, Vision, 
uh, Ultron, you'll cast a. Uh, uh, yeah, no, there's not a lot here. Yeah. I, I briefly Land- thought about Robocop, but then realized he was it's cyborg. He's a cyborg. Battle Andrew yeah. Troopers. Are we pathetic that we didn't get into anything from books? Anything really literate, robot yeah. type characters? I, well, like I mean, I had I had the shout out at the beginning to the Rosum's Universal Robots, who were the first robots ever. Mm-hmm. Who they're from uh, a play. <laughs> That's where like the, the term robot comes from. Formed in New York in 1922, and an English edition published in 1923. The word refers to artificially created life forms named robots, and the play are Marius, and I, this was on my list, was Marius, Sula, Radius, Primus, Elena, and Damon, who are <laughs> the first robots, like, historically, because the play introduced and popularized the term robots. Neat. And it is, it is important to refer that they are, bio, that, and this is why they are excluded, they are biological machines, but they are assembled as opposed to grown or born. So they are bio parts, but put together. So I thought, hmm. still robots. Yeah, like Roy Batty. Like who? What? Roy Batty, the replicant. Roy Batty. From yes. Blade Runner. Yeah. Blade Runners. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah. And Ash and Bishop, they're kind of oddly organic. Yeah, there's the weird milk that comes out of them when you'd kill them. Did you know that, that, that John, John Paxson didn't know that he was going to be in the knife scene? It was originally supposed to be just just Bishop doing it and his extreme terror in that scene is the rest of the Bill actors. Paxton. Bill Paxton. He's, he's kind of the fakest faker <laughs> when he, when he acts in yeah. quotations, yeah. you know? Yeah. So they jumped on him and held him down and made him part of the scene. Yeah. Without That's really a... telling him it was going to happen. That's great. Isn't that That's good? So good. Man, I just picked up, uh, I, uh, Stay tuned next week, or in two weeks from now, on a round new episode of 90s. Um, they released a big book, uh, free Freedom League, Free League Press, out of Europe, uh, released an officially sanctioned alien RPG book. Cool. Which I, I picked up, and, and I think I got, like, the last plane out of Europe. Like, it, it passed through Heathrow, and then, like, a day or two after it on the international shipping thing, it was, like, Nothing is passing through Heathrow. It's it's all shut down and stuff. So I was like, and now if you go online, it's like you can't order it because they're like cause things won't don't share huh. customs anymore. So I was like, I'm glad I got it. Cool. Um, closing thoughts, comments, you guys. We really need to make a website or whatever uh, to track these Mount Rushmores. Mm-hmm. We gotta get somebody to draw them. Is what we gotta get. If only. If only one of us had an artistic bone in their body. <laughs> if only one of us wasn't waking up at five o'clock in the morning, Monday to Friday, to get to work on time. To save all of our lives, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I don't, it's whatever about that is, man, the shift in my schedule has been. How much, are, they, are they working you 10 to 12 hours? Is that what's going on? No, I just, they, they cut the afternoon shift down. So I, I'm out of work at three, just. Yeah, they don't they don't overlap our shifts anymore. They just jam us all in there at seven to three. Hmm. I mean, that's got its upsides though of being home early yeah. at least. Yeah. yeah, no, it doesn't. What are you talking about? It's family time? <laughs> How dare you? Isn't family time nice? They've even uh, at where I work, they've even like kind of put out a like, hey, as long as you get your eight hours in, it could be like scattered around. 
like if you want to like wake up before the kids work a little bit and then like take an hour or two off to like hang out with them and then like work a little bit more and then take some time off and then work a little bit more they were like that's okay as long as you make your meetings and i was like eh i was like i'd probably do that if i were a dad like mm-hmm. you know like just saying like an, like an hour off in the morning to like actually eat breakfast and stuff with the kids and whatever and then work a couple more hours and then take like an hour or two off to like teach them math doesn't sound bad at all yeah exactly yeah it's kind of fun Anyway, uh, I think that was the 90s, everybody. I think it was. We did the thing. We did the thing. Wash your damn hands. Wash your hands. What's, what's the Chris Jericho uh, t-shirt? Which is the, like, wash your hands, cover your mouth, shut your ass. It's <laughs> 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 great. We didn't uh, even talk about Chris Jericho. Uh, or WrestleMania. Or... I watched all of WrestleMania. I don't know. I, don't know. I have thoughts. Thoughts and opinions. Tune in next time. Hi. Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you can get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. 9to5.cc. <laughs> Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.